welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our mission is to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and my new book, Fruitful, Becoming the Person God Created You to Be. I'm also providing resources at ericbryant.org. Today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Dr. Clarence Hill. How are you doing? Wonderful. It's great to be with you, Eric. It's great to have you here. I'm very intrigued by a book you've written, a workshop you led. It's called The Dream Clock. As a pastor in Oklahoma, you've been engaged in helping your city make progress when it comes to racial reconciliation. And I feel like that's an important topic, not just in our world today, but for even believers to understand we're going to reach people in our more post-Christian world, this has got to be right in the middle of what we're doing. Talk a little bit about the origins of the dream clock. So our driving desire is John 17, 21. It was one of the last prayers of Jesus. And in it, there's this echo where he's kind of giving us a clue that, you know, he's going to pray that we be one. And the hope is that and that we can get to the other part of the verse that actually mentions so that the whole world will know that he was sent by the father. So there's something about our unity that will cause the world to know that Jesus is who he says he was. And so of course, there's also revelation seven, nine that talks about every nation, tribe, and tongue. And when I was growing up, you know, back in the late seventies, early eighties, and I know I'm dating myself, but um, it was more divided. We were in an all-black church. Later on, we moved uh, to Iowa to an all-white church, so we've had several experiences. But I remember back then, there was this desire that I heard amongst the older believers to see unity and to see people walk as one. So back in 2014, my wife and I took a step of faith, left corporate America, and uh, just sacrificed our savings to go after this belief that God was willing to impact cities through the body of Christ. And we started a movement called Stronger Together. Um, And you can go out to strongertogether.global to kind of keep up with what we do. But man, over the seven or eight years, he opened up so many doors, gave tremendous favor from the local media to the uh, major corporations in Oklahoma around uh, this very idea of unity and not only unity but us coming together to care for the least of those in our cities and then breaking down the walls that were dividing us so all of the lessons that we learned it comes out in my uh, two books the dream clock and race to jesus that's beautiful well i was a part of a workshop recently here in austin i know we're going to do another all-day experience for church leaders the one i was at was for pastors talk about what you do with church leaders when you come to a city, describe the process of building stronger together kind of community and the dream clock. So in principle, we usually have to start from the same place. A lot of people who have even dared to to broach the topic that even mentions the term race, it's immediately politicized. So people will notice that even the language I use around this conversation, I try to help believers understand from the get-go, this is about Jesus. This is about our potential as being one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 
we need one another, like the scripture says. And so we start off just addressing um, some of the truths that it's language that divides us. So, you know, the Tower of Babel, when, when they were divided, you know, under Nimrod, it, they didn't divide over skin color or political parties. You know, it wasn't like Republicans go this way and you know what I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, he divided their languages. So we have different language. Some of the terms that people are trying to use to often innocently um, bring this topic up are triggers and they totally don't communicate what people are trying to intend. So we, we created a discipline to keep ourselves in uh, biblical language. So instead of even mentioning the term race, we use the scripture term called nations, which is uh, the Greek word ethnos, or ethnic group. So we start off just establishing language, uh, helping people to see that Jesus did not just uh, talk about this conversation. It's not a side conversation in the scriptures. He literally did his ministry during a time when Jews and Samaritans hated one another. And it was just like, um, I would say maybe late 1960s and 1970s America. A, a Jew would not walk through a Samaritan town. They thought the water in Samaria was unclean. Uh, to speak to a Samaritan would shock them like Jesus did with the woman at the well. So we start with Jesus and we just... I love one thing I love about this is we get to share with people that Jesus has all of the answers. We don't have to, to go anywhere. Uh, we just have to see it uh, for what he said. Mm, that's so good. What are some of the things you've seen in cities like I know your own? I mean, you guys were featured in the in the newspaper and, you know, it seemed like it, it had kind of a life of its own as you brought these church leaders together. What are some of the positive results you've seen in some of these cities where you've been serving? Well, it, it's, it's been it's been fun. You know, every city kind of has their own um, kind of personality. Because like in, in Oklahoma, everyone knows Oklahoma is mostly a red state. That means it's, it's right wing leaning. But our church is in Norman, which is they would probably call a blue city because of the University of Oklahoma. And so when we were addressing the media, we were simply saying that the dominant belief system here is what we call a bootstraps theory, which is pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And if you even mention the term of race or justice, the immediate triggered thought is you're whining, complaining, go figure it out. And so our position doesn't go to the left extreme nor the right extreme. And so when we go to other cities, the concepts are generally the same, but you'll see something highlighted. So we just got back from Boston and in Boston, it's all about education. And so one of the things that we really felt to emphasize was, I think education is great. And I think anyone who graduated with an aim to get admitted to Harvard, I'm like, wow, I wasn't even thinking about Harvard when I graduated from school, yeah. you know? Um, but part of the emphasis there was that uh, Jesus is the wisdom of God. He doesn't just have neat things to say. He is the wisdom of God. So the, the, the solutions that we can discover by simply obeying and searching out Jesus, you've got to start off knowing that you're probably close or closer to the answer of anyone who would just 
you know, deny the, the, the existence of God. So when we went up there, first we just celebrated Jesus. He is, he, he brings solution. You can look through history and see how the church has been so pivotal in bringing uh, or raising the educational systems in different countries. Yes, uh, American Christianity probably gets slapped on the hand for trying to bring too much of American or European culture to other countries and not just biblical truth. But man, how many nations have the word, uh, written languages now, schools, et cetera, and different frameworks that have helped their societies flourish. So it's an identity piece. So yeah. yeah, go from city to city. Jesus is the answer across the board. That's right. That's right. Well, and I love, I mean, even the Oklahoman, you know, the newspaper identified you in this work as a leading voice for change. What a, what a gift that a pastor and a believer and the work of the church is catching the attention of a newspaper, you know, and, and even saying, you know, this could be the solution we've wanted for racial and political division. And for you to keep Jesus at the center of that. And, and I love how you've kind of shifted the language so you're not getting sucked into left or right politics. But would you share just a little bit, what are some of the steps in the process? Yeah, you know, when we get the privilege to uh, speak to organizations that are not like Christian based, you know, we do it with wisdom. So that's where you use your, I call it the book of Esther idea. And in the book of Esther, you know, we love the story. We love the favor. I mean, truthfully, the whole book of Esther is about a race issue. Mm-hmm. You know, Haman, it was genocide, hate the Jews. The Jews are against us, lying on a people group. But you never hear the mention of the name of God. And so part of what we're, we, we do is we give people language for how to engage groups. Oh, no. We give people language for how to engage groups that are not uh, already believers and give them the opportunity um, to choose the source of the information that we give. So we start off with one o'clock and we tell people like, look, okay, there is a perspective we all have, and we have to start off being truthful. Clarence Hill has two parents. They are both brown skinned. And Clarence, when he was growing up, he was listening to rap music when my pastor dad and my uh, pastor's wife mother left for work. Then we turned it back to the gospel station when they came home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and we were raising a culture had, that had a certain perspective about whites, or especially in my world, wealthy whites, or in the rap terms at that time, or the man. Mm-hmm. So what I start off doing is simply acknowledge the perspective that molded your thinking, acknowledge where there are breaches socially, and don't be afraid to say, I am a dark-skinned, African-American, Black male, and I'm so thankful I was made this way. But who am I? Who's the greater me is that I'm a son of God. But first, I've just got to confess, I was not in the back rooms with other ethnic groups hearing um, non-politically correct conversations and unfiltered engagements when we interact sometimes with other ethnic groups and other wealth classes, um, we we code switch, we start, Mm -hmm. you know, but if it's just us in the room, you already know how 
what the person thinks. You know, 50% of what they're already thinking. So you don't have to explain that part. Right. You can jump right into the emotional mm, part of it. And that's why a lot of people slip when they when they start having these internal conversations. And so we start there. Then we just begin to challenge people, identify the who the thems are, just so we can start doing what Jesus did, because in Jesus' case, his palace group was, were the Jews, and the thems in his world were the Samaritans. So now, very easy, you can go do the search on your own, or you can buy Race to Jesus, which I wrote about this whole topic, and look up the words Samaria and Samaritan, and study the framework, and you will see a brilliant response to this social divide. Jesus went through their cities. Jesus talked to Samaritans. Jesus made Samaritans the heroes of his story. And, and when you're talking about us, you don't make them the great folks when you tell the story. You make us, you know, pound the chest. You know what I'm saying? Show your numbers like the athlete, like, you know, boast on your own people. But Jesus didn't think like we did. And when I look at his notes, he started a movement that lasted for 2000 years. And part of that momentum building was taking a, a Jewish uh, audience and telling them that the second greatest commandment, the best story I can think of was a Samaritan that did it right. Wow. Boy, just dig at all of the social stuff <laughs> inside people's heads and use your authority and influence just like a preacher could or a life group leader or a small group leader mm -hmm. could. Instead of just helping us celebrate people, we're going to celebrate naturally anyway because we were raised in these spaces. No, do the kingdom thing where it's not many mighty are called. God uses the weak things to confound the mighty. He uses the foolish things to confound the things that are wise. That's how Jesus taught. Mm. He looks at the widow with two mites instead of all the people giving of their riches. He ignores Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk giving $5.5 billion a couple of weeks ago, although I'm like, that's a lot. Go ahead, man. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't look at that. He looks at the person who is on welfare and gave up their whole check mm -hmm. just to be a part of the church building fund or the feeding program. Heaven sees different than we do. And so, mm -hmm. and so that's all throughout. So every hour is one more step that puts more skin in the game from greeting them when you're in public to going and visiting their, their spaces at three o'clock, making yourself a minority in the room at four o'clock, inviting them to your house so you can sit at the table, put your feet under the table together. Biblical hospitality is who we are as Christians, but now don't just do it with your same ethnic group and wealth class. Go outside of the group, like Jesus said. Five o'clock is learning more about them. I mean, that's literally reading books. Um, I'm not telling you to switch your values or, or to serve a different God. Find shared values, but hey, if you grew up listening to one group of preachers, Listen to another group of preachers that believe the same thing, but they have they come from, from a different ethnic group and wealth class. Then it's uh, so that's five. And we say overcome offense at five o'clock, because if you don't overcome offense, you're going to shut the dream clock book. You're going to shut race to Jesus and you're going to turn your political pundit back on who can help you feel comfortable in your echo chamber telling you what you already think. Now, we're more intelligent than that. Um, we want ideas that are going to help us be more like Jesus. 
Six o'clock says to go to their communities to serve. Seven o'clock takes us further and further, having skin, skin in the game to 12. So that's I amazing. Keep going. Well, but, I um, love it. I mean, I, I thought the experience was so helpful. It was a very diverse audience, uh, diverse in age, uh, ethnicity, um, denomination, and it was such a helpful experience. I just am so grateful for your work and all that you're doing. Dreamclock.org. If you have not seen what Dr. Clarence Hill is doing, take a look and uh, you can join the, the movement of standing together. Thank you so much, Clarence. It's really great to be together. Thanks for having me, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.